0: Oh, wow, the hit presents so hard. They are feeling it in for two. Mamma mia, what a KO.
1: The fight clock is brought to you by Motelov. Oh. Brawlers, welcome back to Throne Hands. Uh as Daniel and I will be reviewing Fight Night Kato versus Ziga. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jacob. How are you, man? I'm good. Uh ready to get this uh stuff started. Yes, sir. I, I'm I know we didn't uh preview this fight, but uh Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus uh Lazes, that was a good fight. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, I caught it. it. was a It was a really good one. It goes, uh, it goes. I believe is fight of the night, correct? Yes, it was. And uh, Abdulaziz came in uh, overweight, so he ends up not getting the bonus from that. Uh, but it was it was a really good fight between two guys that uh, just threw a lot of strikes, landed a lot of strikes. Uh, I mean, seventy eight uh, significant strikes for Lazez, and then uh, sixty eight landed for Al These were two guys that were just throwing bombs at each other for 15 minutes, and it was a, a really good showing from two guys that maybe not a lot of people had heard about before this card.
1: Yeah, you make a good point there. Not too many people had heard about these two dudes. And with what Lizéz uh, pulled out, uh, especially in the third round, he kind of turned it on there, and that's probably why he got the, fit, the the win. And when he was on top of Al-Hassan, that really just put it in the books for me uh, for that Lizéz win. Yes, he didn't get the bonus, but people know the name now. And he should be uh, grateful for that. So we're going to head on to uh, the first fight we previewed. And that was Ryan McCann versus Tyler Santos. You and I talked a bit about this before we started. Tyler Santos impressed me very much. What were you impressed by?
0: Sorry, What What were you
1: impressed by with uh, Santos? Uh,
0: Tyler Santos... Honestly, I was not expecting a lot out of her because she came into the UFC 15-0 and 0, but had never been tested. And the first time she was matched up with somebody that really was battle-tested in her first fight, she lost it. Uh, but she clearly took a lot away from that fight and came back against Molly McCann, who's a high-pressure fighter, uh, somebody that fills up the scorecards with a lot of volume, and she out-pressured the high-pressure fighter. Uh, Tyler Santos cut off the octagon for Molly McCann, but was still able to not let her get in tight and throw in the pocket with that amateur boxing style that Molly McCann has thrived with in the past. I really liked what Tyler Santos brought here, and I really liked the way she's changed her game up and learned from her first career loss.
1: Yeah, you make a good point there. She had a long time to uh, learn from her first career loss too, as she it was over a year since she had lost her first fight. And with Santos, what really did it for her was the takedowns, and especially when she got into the tie clinch, uh, that really set her apart from what Molly McCann did. Yes, they had a, they weren't, Talia Santos, Talia Santos separated herself with total strikes and significant strikes, but really uh, se- separated her from the, uh, from Molly McCann was the takedowns. And she was five of seven on the takedowns, which is a very good rate. So, you know, with, with Molly McCann, what do you think's next for her?
0: I'm not sure what is is the next thing for Molly McCann, honestly, because she was sitting there in the fifteenth spot, and that uh, that division is it's a good one. And she's obviously not close to the top. I think she probably drops out of the top fifteen with this loss. Uh, but she's she's a very talented fighter. I don't think she has a style that's gonna make her a title contender at any point, but she's somebody that you can use to test uh, prospects like Tyler Santos as they're on their way up, somebody that, uh, like I said, is a high-pressure fighter, fills up scorecards with a lot of volume in her strikes, and can be somebody that can help weed out uh, who's a legitimate prospect and and who's going to be somebody that just fills out a spot on the roster.
1: Yeah, you make it a good point. She could be kind of like a, a Jim Edwards in the sense of that. He kind of gatekeeps the, that top 15. He's the test for up-and-coming new prospects to come in. And if they beat her, they can probably get up in the top 15. But if not, they can work a little bit and they can move back up to the top 15. And I think what's next with Tyla Santos is probably Antonina Shevchenko. I think she kind of showed what she did there in that last fight, dominating the clinch. And I think with a striker like Antonina Shevchenko, that'd be a pretty good matchup for her uh, challenge-wise because they're somewhat similar. But I think Antonina is just a little more refined. What do you think?
0: I agree with that. I like Antonina Shevchenko as a fighter. Uh, She's coming off a loss, uh, which you may not necessarily want to pair her up with somebody like Tyler Santos, who's on an upward track like that. Uh, But honestly, I don't know that there's a better matchup as far as a test for Tyler Santos goes. If Macy Barber was healthy, I would love to see that fight. Those are two really good young women's flyweights that I think have a chance to be something special in this division but obviously macy barber is still uh, rehabbing a a serious knee injury but i like antonina shevchenko as the next opponent for tyler santos i think that'll be a really good test all
1: right uh all right so on to the next fight uh we're gonna head over to uh jim rivera versus cody stamen uh we did not get this uh i don't think uh we got this fight right no we did not because yeah, I,
0: took, I definitely took cody stamen
1: yeah you and i did b- both took cody stamen and yes these guys fought at featherweight yesterday i believe uh but they're usually 135ers so this this still might shake up that division a little bit but what jimmy rivera showed me was like as you can see on the screen a lot of a lot of striking he brought the volume in this in this three round bout and he, he landed a lot of significant strikes on Cody Stamen and Cody Stateman only managed one takedown out of five, and still Jimmy Rivera has only been been taken down uh, once at most in each of the the fights he's been taken down. What are your takeaways from this fight? Uh,
0: I thought this was a good bounce-back fight for Jimmy Rivera. Uh, We talked about uh, on the preview episode that he's lost three of his last four, uh, but it's been all to guys that are elite, elite bantamweights uh, if you look at it, he picks up this win over Cody Stamen. He lost three of his last four, but there were losses to Marlon Moraes and Aljamain Sterling, the top two Bantamweight contenders, and then Piotr Jan, who just won the Bantamweight championship at UFC 251. So, again, Jimmy Rivera is uh, very clearly still somebody at Bantamweight uh, that is not to be messed with. Uh, Cody Stamen, I really like Cody Stamen. I still think he's got a pretty decent future in this division with his combination of wrestling and striking uh, because he's got a lot of power in his hands. He's got a wrestling background and a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I just think Jimmy Rivera, as far as a challenge, may have been a little bit of a bridge too far for Cody Stammen, uh, who is
1: still on his way up as far as this division goes. Yeah, you make you make a good point there. I think with Jimmy Rivera, uh, his ranking doesn't show where he truly stands in the division. Like like you said, he, he lost to Jan. He lost to Marais. He lost to uh, – what was the other name you said? I can't remember. Uh, Piotr Jan. Yeah, no, he, lost, he, said, he lost to Jan. Yeah, you said Piotr Jan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he lost to some very significant people in this band and white division. And, yes, he is ranked eighth. He's lost two of his last three. But the way he – where he is in this division, he – He's really a top six guy, but because of Sun Tsao and uh, Aldo recently competing for the title, he's not in that top six and seventh spot. So it really doesn't reflect on how good Jimmy Rivera truly is. Now, I think for what's next for Cody Stammler, we can uh, see him fight a young fighter like Song Yadong next. I mean, this guy is a very promising prospect coming up. That
0: would be that would actually be a rematch.
1: Hey, I wouldn't I wouldn't be complaining, man.
0: Yeah, they fought to a draw back in December uh song you dong technically would have won on the scorecards but an illegal knee he, he was docked a point for an illegal knee and it went to a majority draw
1: yeah so I think I think we'd like to see that again and then I mean Sh- Sean O'Malley's coming up I forget who's he fighting next I, that just came out didn't it
0: yes it did and off the top of my head I do not
1: ah okay uh go find that man and then yeah, we could see Cody Stamen or Rob Font or maybe even Dominic Cruz to see where, he's, where Dominic Cruz is standing in this division right now. So we'll figure this out. And f- for uh, I think you agree with me on for, for, Do you agree with me on Stamen? Like, what do you think, Zach, for Stamen? Uh,
0: Cody Stamen, I think uh, he gets another, another decent contender in this bantamweight division. Whether it's a rematch with uh, Song Yadong, I would find to be pretty interesting, as those are two guys that I really like. Uh, as up-and-comers in this division, um, I don't. He's he's if with a loss to Jimmy Rivera, he's definitely not ready for somebody of the caliber of Corey Sandhagen, who's also coming off a loss. I don't think that's something we're going to be looking at at this point. But those are those are two of the younger guys in this division that uh, are decent uh, are decent contenders moving
1: forward. Um, maybe Rafael Sunshao actually two guys coming off of losses. Yeah, I'm. Ha- I'm have to agree with you there on Sunshale. Uh, yeah, sunshine just coming off a loss from, I believe, Cody Garbrandt, if I'm not mistaken, and with what Sunshale's done, um, I think I think that would be a pretty good challenge for Cody Stamen. So, what do you think is next for Jimmy Rivera? Jimmy
0: Rivera definitely proved he's still a-, a guy to guy to watch out for in this division. I don't think. He's in the realm of a Sterling or a Morais right now. Obviously, he recently lost to those guys. Uh, but honestly, when it comes to at least success in the bantamweight division, I think he's a step above Jose Aldo. I know I feel like I've constantly knocked Jose Aldo anytime he's come up on this podcast, but now he's 0 2 in the bantamweight division. He looked good against Piotr Jan, but he still lost the fight. I think Jimmy Rivera. Uh, takes a step forward. Maybe he is the next fight for Jose Aldo. I don't know. Uh, but I like Jimmy Rivera moving forward. I don't know that he's the type of guy that can take the title off Piotr Jan, but I think he's certainly someone that you can throw up against a title contender, and he may derail your plans at some point.
1: Yeah, you make a good point. He could derail some of his plans. I think we could see him fight a Corey Sanhagen next, somewhere up there. Or maybe we could see him fight Jose Aldo, because... Jose Aldo, I wouldn't be surprised if he still has something to prove in this division. I feel like he could thrive in this division. He just needs to get used to uh, – he, yes, he's already matched the weight cut, he said. I just feel like he has to get used to the caliber of competition that's in this division. And I feel like he, when he adjusts his training and stuff, he will get well adjusted to this. And I think we could see Jose Aldo fight for a title again. And I think uh, for Jimmy Rivera, that would be a great next matchup. All right, to the next matchup of the night, Uh, uh. A flyweight division, I think, uh, yes, flyweight. Tim Elliott versus Ryan Benoit. What, what were your takes on this fight? Uh,
0: this was an interesting fight to watch as it was, it was pretty it was a mix of styles, is what I'll say, because Tim Elliott's kind of a mauler with his style. Uh, he's very aggressive on the feet, uh, which helps him make up for uh, a style that's not very refined. and he definitely had the advantage on the ground in this fight, whereas Ryan Benoit uh, standing up. Uh, his his striking was so much more precise uh, than Tim Elliott. It was a really fun fight to watch because their styles uh, clashed so much. It was it was really really fun to watch two guys that are so different go at each other for three rounds.
1: You you really just summed it up for me there. I mean Tim Elliott, yes, very odd fighter. He was like you said before. He was given some weird fakes, some weird feints and with Benoit he he still looks he still looked quite explosive in this fight and when Tim Elliott got to the ground he really he really uh, dominated when he was down there and Tim Elliott he really killed uh, Benoit with the jab if Benoit hadn't uh he he should have figured out a way to get past Tim Elliott's uh jab and if he had done that this fight could have been a little more competitive but Tim Elliott even after he dislocated the his finger he figured out a way to defeat Benoit simply by utilizing that jab. So, what do you think is next for Benoit, uh,
0: Ryan Benoit? It's it's interesting because he came into this fight unranked. Tim Elliott's towards uh, the bottom of the rankings, uh, but I think he's definitely somebody that that moving forward we can look at in this division to to be somebody to to excuse me, I'm rambling. It feels like, but somebody to look out for a little bit because. Uh, He's been ranked in the past. He was ranked uh, number 15 at one point. He's lost two in a row, uh, but he's still only 30 years old and in a flyweight division that has some very talented fighters but isn't super deep top to bottom. uh, He could make some noise moving forward if he can just figure out some of the problems uh, when it does go to the ground. I thought uh, he looked a lot cleaner on his feet than Tim Elliott did. I think he fought a style that if that fight had stayed on the feet, would have looked really good on the judge's scorecards. Uh, he's ten and seven, but I don't think uh, his record really reflects uh, what he brings to the table as a fighter.
1: yeah, you make a good point. his skill his skill level isn't diminished by his record and he's I still think he's besides uh not nah, name isn't coming to my mind, but he's probably arguably the most explosive striker in this division. And I think if we see him paired up against a Jordan Espinosa or David Dvorak, we could see him come into fruition and definitely see how his striking could carry him in this division. So as for Tim Elliott, maybe a Matt Schnell, maybe a Kai a France next. That's kind of what I'm thinking for him. What do you think? And
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense uh, to me as well. Uh, Elliott, uh, this was a, a good comeback. Uh, not a comeback fight for him, but a, a good turnaround as – uh, he's kind of been up and down through the last couple years. He's now upwards of 30. He's 33. And it's, it was a good bounce back after getting upset by Brandon Roy Val uh, back in May. So uh, Tim Elliott uh, proved that he is still a guy in this division that can do a lot of things well and can be a big test for people. I don't think he's he's a very good fighter. I don't think he's necessarily a top 10 guy, uh, but he's got a lot to bring to the table in the UFC flyweight division.
1: Yep, pretty much summed it up for me there, man. All right, to the main event of the evening, we learned a lot here, Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige. We learned that Dan Ige will be a, a force to be reckoned with in the next couple of years, but the force to be reckoned with now is Calvin Cater. I, I can't speak more highly of this guy after he uh, bashed in Jeremy Stevens' face in, and then he came again against Dan Ige with an, uh, a partially healed broken nose and he still got the win. What were your thoughts on this?
0: Every time that I watch Calvin Cater fight, I remember why I love watching this guy fight. I mean, he's in your face nonstop, in this case for five rounds, in his previous fights for three rounds. I mean, he, is, he was all over Danny Yeh uh, from bell to bell, and I love guys that are like that. He's aggressive. He's creative. His striking style is, is something that I really like. And I think moving forward as a featherweight, He's somebody to watch out for. I think uh, obviously that's a deep division, but it's a division that doesn't have a clear number one contender right now. And I think Calvin Cater is behind a few other guys in line. I would think uh, Zabit and Sharapov is certainly ahead of him right now. And I think Max Holloway is if they do want to go to the trilogy fight between him and Alexander Volkanovsky. But Calvin Cater is coming, and when he gets here, he's going to be real dangerous for anyone at the top of this division.
1: Yeah, and I think what will make him real dangerous is this number right here. Ige was 0 of 9 on his takedowns. Now, Ige has a black belt in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a brown belt in judo, and I believe he wrestled at some point in his life. So this dude knows how to take people to the ground. It's not like he just learns how to do it when he just started training for MMA. This guy is experienced in taking people to the ground. And what Calvin Kader, he even took Ige down, which even impress, which impressed me even more. And 105 he had 105 significant strikes to Calvin Cater. That is absurd, especially in a – even in a five-round fight, that's pretty darn good. So I think what we've learned from this fight is Calvin Cater can go up against people that are successful on the ground. And what we've learned for Dan Ige is he's, he's still a very bright up-and-coming prospect. So as we talk about Dan Ige, what do you think is next for him? Uh,
0: I think Dan Ige is certainly – not going anywhere when it comes to this featherweight division Um, maybe I don't know about Jeremy Stevens because Jeremy Stevens has had some weight issues he's lost a lot of his recent fights so he's obviously gonna gonna take a step back maybe Shane Burgos because Shane Burgos looked really good against Josh Emmett in a loss Danigue looked really good against Calvin Cater in a loss and Cater and Emmett I think are kind of on a similar playing field when it comes to uh, contenders and, and level right now. You take the guys that they lost to, match them up, Ige and Burgos, I think that'd be a really good fight.
1: Isn't uh, Josh Emmett uh, hurt from his last fight?
0: Yes, he tore his ACL. He's down for a while. Yeah,
1: so I, I would like to see that Shane Burgos fight. Even though if Burgos lost that last fight, it was a close competitive fight up until the last uh, part of the third round. So I would like to see Dan Ige go up against uh, a very aggressive person like Shane Burgos. I think that would be very... Beneficial to, to Dan Gay, So I think that – I think we'll talk – about speaking of aggressive, aggressive Cam Cater's quite aggressive. What do you think's next for Mr. Cater? I think
0: he's probably going to have to wait a little bit. I would have liked to match him up with Josh Emmett before Josh Emmett got hurt. Uh, but the guys uh, all that are all ahead of him are a little spoken for right now. You're going to get uh, Zabi. Uh, matched up with Yair Rodriguez. You're going to get Brian Ortega against Chan Sung Jung probably. That fight hasn't been made yet, but it's probably going to happen. And I don't know that Calvin Cater is ready for a jump up to Max Holloway in his next fight yet. So he's a legit featherweight contender, and I think he can take some time and be able to pick his next spot.
1: Yep, I, I I have to agree with you there. He can definitely take his time with this because the rankings will be shuffling up quite soon. With uh two through five fighting quite soon with Yair Rodriguez against the beat Sheropov, which we'll re- we'll preview and review that for sure. I'm excited for that one. And Brian Ortega, and uh, the Korean Zombie, will be fighting fairly soon. So Calvin Cater can definitely pick his shots here. I wouldn't it, I wouldn't even advise him to fight in the next uh for the rest of the calendar year unless it's December because of the way he's positioned, because he's probably second and third in line for that title shot, wouldn't you say?
0: I would have to think so. I think uh, the way that it probably goes is, uh, again, you've got to think about Max Holloway. I don't think the UFC wants to do a trilogy with him and Alexander Volkanovsky right away. I think Max Holloway probably takes a step back from contendership right now. But I think the way you're going to have to look at it is – the, you're going to get the winners of Zabit and Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega and Chan Sung Jung. I think you have the winners of those two fights and then Calvin Cater's up third, in my opinion. I think that's the way it's going to shake out moving forward. Uh, whether you get it down to those three guys and you figure out a title eliminator, a title eliminator situation, uh, that's not my decision to make. Uh, but I think that's how they probably settle things in this featherweight division, you take the two winners of those fights uh, in the two through five contenders and then throw Calvin Cater in third behind those guys.
1: Uh, you couldn't have said it any better. I think, yes, like you said, they won't go to the Holloway trilogy right away because Volkanovski has won the first two. So they're not really too eager to do that. And with Zabit, I would love to see Zabit take on Volkanovski. That's that's one of my dream fights personally. So I
0: love Zabit, man.
1: He's great. I love him he's great I mean we'll definitely talk about him he fights in a few weeks so I mean we'll definitely have to talk about him quite soon and yeah we could see this two through this this division stacked I think you and I have talked about this especially one through one through seven I mean Josh Emmett I, mean, I it's a shame he got hurt because he he really could have taken that momentum from the Shane Burgos fight and just pushed forward I mean this dude's tough as nails he he broke. He, he, I think, he fractured his femur in that fight. He sprained a couple ligaments and tore his ACL. This dude's tough as nails. This like this guy's like Bisping in the featherweight division. So I think this is a, this is an exciting division to watch. Uh, I know you definitely agree with that. But yeah. So do you have any final thoughts? Uh,
0: just just one thing. I want to backtrack there. Uh, Calvin Cater uh, did lose to Zabit Magomedsharipov in Zabit's last fight. Uh, so. Uh, but but something to watch out for as Calvin Cater has looked a little more refined in his last two fights. Calvin Cater, in terms of total strikes, did outstrike uh, Zabit in that fight. He was just in terms of significant strikes, uh, he was outdone by 16. Zabit was a lot more precise in that fight. So moving forward, uh, Calvin Cater is a guy that has proven he can he can stand and go with the top level fighters in this division. That was a, a fight that went to a decision. So, uh, I like Calvin Cater. I like what he's going to be doing in the future.
1: Yep, uh, I couldn't put it any better. So, uh, well, guys, thank you for uh, listening. Daniel, thanks for coming back on. We're, we always have a good time here. Yes, sir. And we will see you guys for the uh, Figueroa versus Benavides preview.